0: Hey, how you doing? My name is Luke Such. I'm Scott Minema. And today we are going round two on the topic of forgiveness. Continuing to tease out what we talked about last time, and hopefully getting into a lot more of the the practical aspects of what it means to forgive, how we apply our, our theology of forgiveness.
1: Yeah, we were talking earlier, I was reminded of a quote in Mere Christianity that C.S. Lewis had regarding Christianity. He said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive.
0: Isn't that the way it is? We, we, I, I want others to forgive me, but I want to hold over you everything uh, that you've done wrong against me. I, I need to keep that ready and waiting at any moment. Um, okay, L- let me try to quickly recap what we went through the last time, and you please fill in anything, and then we'll try to get to uh, some, some really practical aspects of what this looks like in our lives, so how we, how we deal with this. Um, I, I think our kind of big picture principle was that our forgiveness needs to be a reflection of God's forgiveness to us. So our horizontal forgiveness, the call to forgive one another, is a, uh, a, a reflection. It, it is something that mirrors the way that God forgives humanity and the work of Christ. Um, so there's that, and then we have a bunch of things kind of underneath that.
1: Well, yeah, and so even before you maybe move on to the things beneath that, when we talk about what do we learn, if we take our cues from God, right? what, right. what are some you know what are some things that that we learn from that and i think one of them really and i'm not sure that we spent a lot of time on this last week but one is you know we talked about that forgiveness it he doesn't he doesn't forget right he, right he's omniscient but but forgiveness what we learn from god is it's a promise it's a promise not to bring it up again right he in psalm 103 11 and 12 it says that as as far as the east is from the west, he removes our transgression. So it, what we see is that it's not that he forgets, because sometimes people think, well, if I'm going to forgive, I just got to forget. You, forget. You're not going to forget. You're going to have to fight mm. not to bring it up again, not to bring it up to yourself, not to bring it up to others, not to bring it up to... The offender.
0: He treats you as if it never happened. That's right. Even though it obviously did. Yeah. And continues to. I mean, for us as Christians, we see life of sin, of of offending God, doesn't disappear when salvation shows up. Rather, it becomes this tension, right? The, The life of the flesh and the life of the spirit. And as we continue to sin, the righteousness of Christ continues to be applied and we are treated as if we are the righteous one that Christ is. And we receive that benefit,
1: yeah, yeah, and, and in that promise, he promises not to allow it to hinder our relationship going forward, right? So there's just you know there's, that's that's radical,
0: and so we rest on that good mm. promise, right in many ways, when we talk about eternal security, I bring this up all the time that what we are essentially arguing is, do we trust God to fulfill his promise or not? Mm. It, it, do you think that the good word of God, that God is able to fulfill what he has promised to do? And that's that's the question of, will he continue to forgive me even when I am a failure on this aspect? And, and the glorious truth of the Bible is that in Christ, yes, he does continue. Okay, so there's that first point. Our forgiveness is to mirror God's forgiveness. And then we have a few really important things that come underneath that. First, forgiveness is a means to the end of reconciliation. Yeah. It's not just forgiveness in and of itself, that's the goal. It, it is pointing you towards the greater relational reality of two people who were fractured being brought back together.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the goal of forgiveness isn't to feel better. The goal of forgiveness isn't therapeutic. It's not... So many Christians have bought into the world's idea that well I'm going to forgive so I don't become bitter I don't want to become one of those bitter people and not becoming bitter is good I mean there's I mean we don't want to become bitter but we don't forgive so we don't become bitter if what you're you're suggesting is if we're going to learn from God forgiveness always has something much grander in view and that is reconciliation right yeah
0: so you're trying the purpose of forgiveness is for us to be made whole the same way that God's forgiveness towards us brings us back into right relationship. Like we're back in the garden with Adam and Eve. We get to be in close relationship with God as if sin is not a barrier. Mm. Great. Okay. So there's that. We also talked about the conditionality of it, that Mm. there is a, an if that comes with forgiveness. If you humble yourself and repent, you are forgiven. And, and for us as Christians, we need to, to know that in that vertical relationship, those conditions are fulfilled by Christ, and that repentance is given to us by God. I, I can't move to God on my own. I won't do it. There's nothing native to me that is going to move towards God. It has to be an imposition of God's grace in my life that allows me, that draws me into a a posture of repentance
1: yeah yeah that's the hard I think for most Christians when they hear this idea that forgiveness is conditional it's conditioned based on repentance, that really causes us some tension and and, yeah, and I appreciate yeah, yeah. you know what what you kind of brought out that even in even with God's forgiveness of us, it is conditional. God's forgiveness is not unconditional it's conditioned on repentance but to your point, God's the one that grants repentance yes and I think you know if we're going to think so important correctly about it what we miss is even even pulling out the Trinity and just the different roles of the Father the Son and the Spirit in that whole process of reconciliation and because um, each one plays a different role but anyway um, forgiveness is conditional yes and and then one
0: one more quick thing and, and then anything else you want to add in there That being said, the conditionality of repentance uh, being a requirement for forgiveness does not mean that we get to sit in a disposition of bitterness and anger, and I'm going to hold this over you until you repent, arms folded, angry, cantankerous old guy, get off my lawn until you come and say you're sorry type of thing.
1: Yeah, and that's, and I think that's a good segue even into where we probably want to spend some time today, because there's, there's two things that come from that one, um, what if the other person isn't, you know, doesn't want to repent? What, mm. you know, what is my, I like your word, what is my disposition or what is my posture? Because what happens when, when we as Christians begin to hear this idea that forgiveness is conditional, there is a temptation to kind of sit there in a posture or a disposition with my arms folded and go, okay, I don't have to do anything. I'm going to wait for the other person to repent. And you haven't met the conditions. You haven't, that's right. And that's equally... Wrong as a, Mm -hmm. as is the therapeutic view. And so, the, so what, maybe this is kind of our jumping off point for today. What is the disposition? What is my posture? If, especially, what happens in situations where reconciliation isn't possible? Maybe the person has died, or maybe the person's in prison and never going to come out again. I mean, these are all real life situations. What if the other person? just doesn't repent, doesn't want reconciliation, doesn't want anything to do with me. How do I respond? What's my posture? What's my disposition?
0: Yeah, and again, to kind of peek at where we were last time, I would point to the the call in Colossians 3 that you're to bear with one another if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And so when I think about that, as my disposition and really again that goes back to our primary claim right that the our forgiveness is to mirror god's forgiveness to us i have to start with an understanding a realization a a, a bedrock that i am always ready to forgive god does not say well i'm just going to wait here until you go and repent and, and and until then you're my enemy and i'm just going to he is actually seeking us while we are rejecting him and so in Christ we see that God reaches toward the unrepentant reaches toward the the frustrating the the stubborn the unwilling and through his son he and again this isn't just in a an abstract sort of way he reaches out to us to the point of dying on a cross it's not a it's not a like oh i love that person and this like vague generic version of whatever love is it it is a tangible manifest love in the person of christ to die for them so to give everything for them so that they can be reconciled always waiting ready to receive that person that that stubborn rebellious person in a forgiving disposition so how do you if someone's not willing to repent you go to them as your call is to be like god is towards you willing ready reaching out making every
1: opportunity possible for that person and you to be reconciled through forgiveness yeah yeah and I think, and that's the hard part, that's where I think this ty- this Christian forgiveness as opposed to therapeutic forgiveness or worldly forgiveness is so different. Because the truth is, for us as Christians, a lot of times I don't want, because what you're saying is, what are you doing to move towards the other person? Yes. Whether they want to yes. be reconciled or not, in what ways are you relationally moving towards them? Because oftentimes I don't want to move towards that other person. I don't want reconciliation. I, I I've been hurt. I, mm-hmm. and maybe i want them to feel a little bit of what they've made me feel like or maybe i i want justice i want you know i want revenge and i think the first question we have to evaluate our own heart is oh, what do you want reconciliation and yeah. if and if you don't then you have to go to the cross i mean right. that is the remedy for why if i don't want to be reconciled i have Taken the forgiveness that I've been given, vertically, and I've just discarded it. I've forgotten about it. That's right. I've, I've, I'm not taking it into account. I'm not letting it wash over me. I'm not captivated. It, it didn't by affect
0: it. my mind the way that it should have. Yeah. It didn't yeah. renew my thinking, and that thinking didn't work its way out to my relationships.
1: Yeah, yep. So practically speaking, you know, I think Romans twelve. Matthew five, help us to see practical ways of moving towards another person relationally because again, it may reconciliation may not be possible, but I can pray for them. I can look for ways to maybe be a blessing to them or to be a blessing to to their family. I can look for ways to demonstrate kindness. In other words, I like the word you use disposition. I have a disposition of forgiveness, I have a posture of forgiveness, and I'm looking for ways to move, move towards that person.
0: And and this is one of those sticking points that I think I, I, I mentioned last time, that frequently we describe the that disposition as forgiveness. And yeah. and that's one of the mm. things that I think when we start to tease this out, I thought maybe we disagree on this a little bit, but I don't think we actually do. I think I'm just using the word forgiveness too broadly. Mm. And biblically, it's, it's a... a I don't know if there's another word, a, a disposition of forgiveness, a willingness, a always ready, I am going to remove every possible barrier to forgiveness that I possibly can. Yeah. And no- normally I think I've forgiven that person. And and what we're saying is what you've done is the exact proper biblical thing, but until repentance happens and reconciliation happens, that is where we see a, a biblical description of forgiveness. Yeah.
1: In a... In, I think for, I think for Christians, and I know this has been true for me. We we can say we've granted forgiveness, but we've moved on, and the relationship isn't reconciled. I, I think of that, what
0: you know do with two little kids, right? <laughs> stole a toy, someone hit somebody, and you say, all right, say sorry, okay, I'm sorry. Say you forgive him, I forgive you. You know, like it's like gritted teeth and white knuckle forgiveness. And that's not what we're talking about as biblical forgiveness here.
1: Right. Hmm. Yeah, it's not moving on. I don't move on until the relationship's reconciled. And so I'm, again, I'm looking for ways to move towards that person. I'm looking for ways to put into practice Romans... 12 verses 9 through 21, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Right. That is, you know, if you're not a Christian, that sounds, that's just, that sounds like foolishness. It's
0: absolutely radical. Okay, so I, I told you I have a story, one of my it, it just favorite stories, one, because I love baseball, but also uh, just, it, it's just too funny. Tim Kirchin is a baseball reporter. And he tells this story of Ed Farmer. He's a relief pitcher, and he, had a, he was facing a guy. His name is Wayne Gross in an at-bat, and Gross hit a home run off of Farmer. And if you know anything about baseball, there's like an unwritten rule. At least there used to be. Now we don't do that as much. But, uh, but you're, not, you're not supposed to showboat when you hit a home run. And, and apparently, Farmer thought that Gross took too long getting around the bases, and so he was mad at him. And so the next, the unwritten rules of baseball are: the next time you get up to bat against that pitcher, he gets to throw a, a he gets to hit you with a baseball. Essentially, so it took three years, but three years later, Farmer steps into the box, or, or Gross steps into the box against Farmer, and he immediately hits him with a fastball. Yikes! Yeah, three years afterwards, and Gross shouts at him, "What was that about?" And he goes, "That was for three years ago." The great thing about the story, and Gross just goes, "Okay," and then he go back to it. The great thing about the story. After those three years, Gross had been traded to Farmer's team. They were teammates, and that was in a spring training game. And so he was, he's on the same team, and he still goes, no, nah, I'm going to get you back for what you did to me. And that's how the world thinks about it, right? That's one of the ways we come about, not come about this. I'm going to get you for what you did to me. And you mentioned Romans 12. You find a complete inversion of that. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. What in the world are you talking about? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, uh, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, beloved. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay. What a, what a, a fascinating, I mean to not have the, the ego that requires me to hit the guy who hit me is, I,
1: well, Christ-like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of this, what we're talking about, and, and I don't know that we could emphasize this enough, but is, is rooted in God's forgiveness right. of us. There is nothing that anyone can do to me And my mind's capable of imagining imagining a lot of different things, but nothing, everything that someone could do to me pales in comparison to what I've been forgiven for. And and I think that is the, the essence of the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. You know, Christ has been talking about forgiveness. And again, there's a conditionality if your brother sins against you go and tell him his fault between you, and if he listens to you, you've gained a brother. If he doesn't, you know, take one or two. We, two or more others with you, every charge may be established. We, we're familiar with that. What often doesn't get attention, though, is in verses, you know, 21 through 35, Christ illustrates what he's saying with the parable of the unforgiving servant. And I'm, mm-hmm. oftentimes, I'm that person. Yeah. I'm that unfor- I've been, I've been forgiven for so much, and yet when it comes to those horizontal relationships, I tend to be slow. And I'm slow because, well, it's like we talked about, I'm not remembering what Christ has done for me. That, that is where all of this we're talking about is rooted in. Right. And, uh, and, and so that's why it's so important to be coming back to the gospel over and over and over. Okay, so we, we teased just very little. Practically,
0: where do you see this show up What types of things do we need to think about in terms of how do I have that disposition of Christ with all people, with undeserving people, the way that God had that disposition towards me as an undeserving, unrepentant person?
1: Yeah, I think number one, it starts with constantly reminding myself of the gospel. I mean, the word. I'm we
0: we are a broken record on that point. Because I think the Bible's a broken record on that. Like, yeah. th- there's a reason why. Keep yeah. coming back to this. Keep, yeah. yeah, keep going.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I mean, and that's a daily, um, that's a daily, it's a Psalm 1 uh, type of thing. You know, the, the, the psalmist who meditates in the Word of God day and night, I need to be meditating in the gospel throughout the day, because, well, life comes at me throughout the day, offenses come at me throughout the day, so I need to be working the gospel into the moments of my life. Hmm. So I think, you know, I think that's a that's a place where we start. Number, you know, number two, I have Matthew seven, verses one through three in mind here. And that is that when I'm offended, mm-hmm. I'm really quick to go to the other person and how they've offended me. And I don't mean like literally go to I'm just saying thinking about how I've been offended. But I think the first what Jesus Jesus tries to help us here. Yeah. And he says, before you go off on the other person, before you start accusing consider your own consider the, the log in your own eye so i need to in my in my um, relationships that are in conflict the first thing i need to do is suspect myself i think that's the principle out of matthew 7 1 uh, 3 through 5 is how have i contri- ask myself this question how have i contributed to this situation is there sure. anything that i've done maybe Maybe I wasn't responsible initially, but I've responded poorly. But in what ways have I contributed to this? What do I need to repent of? Mm. Um, Because that, boy, that's a good way to start, because that's not the way a lot of times we start. Usually we go with fingers blaring, pointing, going, well, you did this, or you did that. Especially in marriage, we know those conversations, right? Why are you mad? Well, I'm mad because you said this, or you didn't do that.
0: It's amazing how quickly that can diffuse... So much of that yes. tension. though. If, yes. if you just walk into it and say, you know what, you make a good point, and I was wrong about that. Yes. Immediately, all of the walls go down, and you go, you know what, I was probably wrong about some things too, right? Like, it, like if you can start with that disposition, it makes it so much easier for the other person to acknowledge their own. Yep. I stop standing on the wall trying to man the defenses, and I immediately open the doors and say, let's reconcile. Let's reconcile. And I love, I mean... The Matthew seven point the the clarity there of keep short accounts,
1: mm-hmm.
0: don't let an offense linger. Now I, I I also and we'll have to tease this out maybe a little bit. And I don't know that we have time for, it, but we'll try anyways. Probe- part part three? <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, okay. Proverbs nineteen eleven uh, says that a, a person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. So I always want to kind of temper this because we've elevated as as a culture we've elevated being offended <laughs> to mm-hmm. a point where we really shouldn't and so sometimes i i find that we say hey go go deal with uh when you've been wronged go deal with it and then all of a sudden we've done this this weird uh, reverse cognitive behavior therapy where we've taught people to look for offense everywhere and now like well you said something wrong to me you did and, and especially on things that aren't moral it's just uh, you know, I didn't like uh, that you introduced me in this way or that way, and and maybe it it does. You know, with a spouse, you do say, "I I'd like I, I want to clarify this. I want to talk with you about this." But if we elevate offense, our our feelers, our uh, willingness to immediately feel like I've been wronged, may put us in the wrong spot already because I, I'm too
1: sensitive, essentially. Yeah.
0: I don't know where where do we fit that into this?
1: Yeah, i I think there's a couple of thoughts. One, are we are we calling something sin that isn't sin? Right. We we need to start there. I mean, if 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 God doesn't call something sin, then we probably should be really really careful going down that going down so that. So the road.
0: Matthew passage is a moral. We're, we're talking someone has sinned against you. Yeah, it's not uh, someone offended you by whatever it may be. Yeah,
1: yeah. They, uh, because we, yeah, we can go sideways really easy because we didn't get our way. My
0: sensibilities right? are not God's all the time,
1: right? And hmm. or somebody's, you know, does something different from us and we're offended um, again. I, I it, they didn't
0: take their shoes off at the door, type of thing. You know, like
1: okay. Yeah. That's not sinful. <laughs> and there's th- th- this is a whole nother, this is a whole nother, you know, podcast as far as with regards to um, when we talk about forgiveness and do we overlook little sins? Um, is that um, the idea of let love cover it? Yeah. So the idea of love covering it, does that mean we just move on and ignore it? Or is there a deeper meaning to the idea of is forgiveness and reconciliation and repentance, is that all part of the love covering it? But I don't know that, you know, in the fifteen or twenty minutes we have left here that we're gonna we're gonna flesh that out. So more you, like
0: more like five minutes. Oh, is really that how we got? <laughs> well, we're at twenty five now. We can go long. I don't know.
1: There's no limits on this. So. But going back to some of the practical aspects, you know, in the Matthew 18 passage, I mean, just even making a list of of what God has forgiven me for, and writing those things out, and then and and then even in the offense, asking myself the question, why, why would God have allowed this into my life? If God loves me, yeah. and He does, if He's sovereign and He's good, and He is. Why would he allow this in my life? In other words, in what ways can I grow in Christ's likeness? Because that is what Romans 8, 28, and 29 tells me is the reason God has allowed this in my life is to help me to grow in Christ's likeness. Um, I think we can, you know, read Luke 6, 27 through 36 and and pray for that person every day and mm. and and look for ways to, again, be a blessing to that person. What I've found is it's... It, You know, when I'm praying for someone and I'm looking for ways to demonstrate kindness to them, it is awful hard to become (laughs) bitter. Yeah, Uh, I become bitter when I take my relationship ball and climb into myself and go home. You know, I'm not, I don't want anything to do with you. And I just dwell on the offense. I dwell on how hurt I am. And it's just, it's me, 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 me. And then all of a sudden the emotion that starts to overwhelm me is... Bitterness and anger, and so that's and that's part of the, the God's good plan is oh, pray for that person, move towards that person, and in that you you won't become embittered,
0: right? And I that, that's right where I stopped in Romans twelve. It's the exact same suggestion. Yeah. If your enemy's hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. And so it's this mind blowing thing, where you, you, I mean, I, I joked about this one time about. You know, somebody coming home from work and saying, "Honey, you know, somebody sinned against me today. Break out the good dishes and the pasta recipe. I invited them over for dinner." And you're like, "What? What? what do you mean?" Well, they sinned against me. Okay, this is what we're called to do. We're called to to love the and and you have that the kind of an, an enigmatic idiom uh, in in Romans 12. By doing so, you heap burning coals on his head is what the text says. And you have this like this like idea that to care and love for someone who's your enemy is like the hardest thing for them to deal with. They become your friend. Like you just love somebody into it. And uh, uh, there's, there's just this, this beautiful picture again, keeping short accounts, go to them quickly and remove every possible barrier you possibly could to, to reconciliation. Mm. And if they refuse to reconcile, okay, so be it, but it wasn't because you weren't in the disposition of Christ that you were called to have.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, can we just maybe, as we're thinking about wrapping this up, there's one There's one thing maybe we can address, is what do I do when I don't feel like forgiving? Uh, because oftentimes oh. that's where I find myself. I don't feel like forgiving. And, and Luke, I used to be of the, the mindset that... I needed to wait until I felt like forgiving, because if I if mm. I, move towards reconciliation or I forgive and I don't feel like it, then I'm being somewhat hypocritical. Yeah, And one of the things that really helped me through that is, I can't, well, one is I, I, I know this, I can't trust my feelings. Um, my feelings are contaminated by sin. But what was really helpful was looking at Christ in the garden, you know, when he was in the garden and he was praying to the Father, and he said, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass before me, that, that idea of the cup of God's wrath. And it, and as I was reading that, the very next sentence he said, Nevertheless, not my will but yours. Yeah. And it it and it hit me, what was he want what was Christ didn't want to experience the wrath of God. He he didn't desire that. That wasn't and yet, in spite of how he Felt he surrendered himself to the Father, to the will of the Father. So, in spite of that, he and I th- and I think that's the fight for us is right. even in those moments I don't feel like it, we surrender ourselves to the good will of the Father and say, just like you've forgiven me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to move towards that other person not because I feel like it, but because of what you've done for me, because I know that's what's going to glorify you. And what's going to glorify the gospel?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you may have answered your own question there, uh, but I, th- I think it's it's absolutely right. Now, that requires a lot of maturity, <laughs> a lot of maturity of just relationship, a lot of maturity of faith to say, "This is not How I feel, but I know how I feel is wrong. And man, to be that there is a I, I go back to Romans chapter 12, the earlier section there, to, to, to not think more highly of yourself than you ought mm. and to recognize that my sinfulness affects me and and to say, God, I don't feel like forgiving, but I know you do. And I'm going to follow you in this. And I mean, just in terms of very practical suggestions, pray your way into feeling that uh, way. Yeah. Just yeah. beg God to change your feelings. It's good. My feelings are wrong. They're so wrong so frequently. God, will you shape my feeling to yeah. be a reflection of your feeling? Yeah. Because that's, that's essentially what we're doing right there, right? We, right? we are not reflecting the attitude of Christ. I'm reflecting the attitude of my flesh. So I need to change that. That is a mark to me that I have a sinful disposition in my own heart, mm. and I need to change that. I have one more real practical suggestion. Mm. Be careful how you deal with your online behavior a lot of times when somebody's sinned against or even just offended, perhaps it's not even a moral sin, we run to the internet. And partic- this is particularly something that my generation does, even with, uh, not not even with individuals, but just situations. And we air our grievances, right, against, I don't even a corporation, right? They've wronged me and Yelp review this thing. And let, let me tell you how, uh, T-Mobile is the worst organization that has ever existed, and we build in ourselves a very unbiblical instinct to talk about our wrongs with everyone but the person that has wronged us. Yeah, and and it's such a bad habit. Put yeah. the keyboard down and go talk to the person.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think it's called gossip. And and and, and <laughs> your, right, genera- your, your generation may may do. My generation tends to just tell anybody that'll listen, right? So I tell my friend, I tell other family members. In other words, I go to people that aren't part of the problem and they're not part of the solution. And the reason is, usually, is I'm just trying to build up Team Scott. Yep. I, I want people yeah. to come alongside me and say, "Oh yeah, you were so you did the right thing. You were so wronged. And in those moments, we are not demonstrating the gospel. We are not glorifying God. We are glorifying self. It's all. I mean, I'm just at the center of all of that. And again, I, I appreciate where you went. Matthew 18. If you've got a, you go to the, you go to the person. Yes. That's the way to. That's the way to, begin to, well pursue reconciliation.
0: Well, and I, I again, go back to Romans 12. One of the things that we see is that I'm not capable. That that person did wrong you, but I'm not capable of holding justice and administering it properly. So I give that, I, I trust that God will deal with that. I can't do it because yes. my own biases, my sinfulness, my instinct for vengeance is not something that I can hold while also holding forgiveness the way that I need to. I I can't do both of them. I just, I'm incapable. So Tim Keller in his commentary on Romans 12 says that the gospel promises us justice and reminds us that we are not the ones who give it. And, And that is a freeing burden to say, again, a very practical suggestion. Do you trust God that he will properly deal with sin? And I don't have to be the one who deals with that person's sin. I'm not called... In fact, I'm forbidden from trying to d- deal with that person's sin. God will deal with it. I am to reconcile. I am to be in a disposition of reconciliation at all times.
1: Yeah. And and again, as I, I agree with you, and as you're saying that, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there may be someone who has been deeply wronged, yes. perhaps it's, you know, been physically abused or... And there is a, when we talk about justice, God has ordained government and government officials. And, and so there, and even church. And even church. Yes, And so there absolutely. is a right time to involve, I mean, and we see it in Matthew 18, but there is a right time to involve government authorities. That's part yes. of God's good design of authority. There is a right time to involve uh, the leadership of the church. And we're not just suggesting that if you're in an abusive situation that you just... Right. Yes. Deal with it. Thank and you. Good, trust God.
0: Good catch. Yeah. Don't throw your hands up and go, oh, well, God will take care of it and I'll never right. do anything. What, what I'm suggesting is you don't take care of it. That's right. Use the God appointed authorities. Yes. And even if the God appointed authorities fail, trust that God Almighty does not. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's good. Hey, two quick questions. Okay. And and I know we're running out of time, but yeah. how would you how do you deal with the person who, you know, when we talk about forgiveness? Uh, the the idea of forgiving self number question number one what how would you respond to the person who says yeah I've just got to forgive myself number two how would you respond to the person who says I've just in, in, we've heard this I am gonna I need to forgive God
0: hmm I don't hear that second one often I'm trying to think about that on on the forgiving self question I. <laughs> I want to I want to hear each person where they are because there are some people who I think have their conscience screwed on too tight and they they do uh, especially Christians who don't realize the freedom that they have in Christ and so they're they're so burdened by their sin and 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 I wouldn't frame it in terms of forgiving self I would never use that language that being said lean into the forgiveness that you have in Christ yeah and so I, I would point somebody there. Um, sometimes I think forgiving self is a a a, a nice Christian veneer on the self love type of thing, right. which is uh, yeah. not biblical, right. not helpful. Yep. I, you know, this is just me time. J- I just need I need some uh, some
1: self time. No, no, no. All of your time is God's time. So if I think what you're saying is, if Christ and I'm just going to be blunt, go for it. <laughs> if you're in Christ and you're forgiven, then who are you to think that you have to forgive yourself? The one who made you That's right. has created you. The, I mean, you, the one who made you has forgiven
0: you. You framed that better. Yes, that, that is the appropriate mm. way to think about that. Christ has already done that. Yeah. The, the, the definitive opinion on that question has already been handed down. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Let's move on. So on the second one, forgiving God...
1: Give me a context. I don't even know. Well, yeah, I mean we hear hear this in the counseling room not all the time but from time to time, you know, um it usually comes in in the uh, in the midst of suffering. Okay. Maybe it, maybe it's an unwanted diagnosis, maybe sure, it's the loss, sure. maybe it's the loss of a child and there's a recognition of that God had a hand in it and I know I just need to forgive God for what he's allowed into my life or what he's what he's the, the the suffering that he's yeah. brought or allowed into my life.
0: Okay, so that's an interesting one because that like it it has a proper view of God's sovereignty, but an improper view of trust and obedience, <laughs> right? So and goodness, yes. I mean,
1: it's a warped view of the character of God. They're
0: holding one doctrinal view that is correct—that God is sovereign over all things, even. Hard and difficult things, but they are lacking what Joseph sees in Genesis 45 or in Genesis 50 that that you sold me, but God sent me and what you meant for harm God used for good, that that somehow God is able to hold those two things together. So don't forgive God um, deep in your theology. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, it's a, that is a very in that statement, I have a very high view of man in a kind of a low view of God. And I, I think I've got to get my uh, my my theology and my anthropology in yes, right order. Absolutely. Um, you've, you've misplaced. We, we, we don't, yeah, we don't forgive God.
0: Great. Okay. We quickly have to do resources. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you forgot there was an end to that. Yeah, All right. I, I have two books. I'll do them very quickly. Um, one of them is uh, a book by Simon Weisenthal called The Sunflower. It is not a Christian book. It is not recommending how you should forgive, but it is a very, very fascinating question. He, he was a, a Jew in Nazi Germany. He was a doctor who was forced to, to operate on Nazis, and he tells the story of a, a dying Nazi soldier who asked for a Jew to ask him for forgiveness on his deathbed. And Weisenthal says, I just stood there and I watched him die. And then he asked the question, what should I have done? And the rest of the book, that's about 80 pages, the rest of the book is different worldview people responding to that question. It's not going to give you a Christian worldview, but I, I, it opens all kinds of very deep and difficult questions to think about forgiveness. And if you have that Christian worldview, I want you to go read that and come to it. And if you don't, stay away from it. Um, the other one that I would think of is uh, by Rosario Butterfield called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And it's mm-hmm. really a book about hospitality, but she kind of backs into she she was an outspoken lesbian and a, a Christian a, a Christian pastor. Basically just kept inviting her over to his home for dinner. And they won her to Christ, even though she was adamantly against them. They were, they had a disposition of forgiveness. Even though she hated everything about she kind of went uh out of curiosity and then just kept being invited back and became a believer through the hospitable disposition of forgiveness yeah. of a believer.
1: Anything she writes is just very solid good. gold. Yep. Um, so I'll, I'll quickly do three. Uh, probably the single best resource would be Unpacking Forgiveness by a guy named Chris Bronze. I think it's published by Crossway, maybe. It might be New Growth, but uh, the second one would be Tim Keller's book on forgiveness, fairly new, um, published in the last probably 18 months. And the third would be, um, John MacArthur's book on forgiveness, um, done a number of years ago, but just a, a solid work. So I, uh, anything else we need to, uh, I mean, we've, we've totally blown, uh, time the third, limits. Yeah. yeah, so.
0: yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> if you stuck with us for this long, kudos to you, you, uh,
1: I don't know, get out of purgatory a little earlier or something like that. Well, this has been a good discussion. I, I Again, I think if as Christians, if there's anything we should get right, it ought to be this idea of forgiveness, repentance, reconciliation.
0: Wouldn't it be like, a great thing for us to be known as really good forgivers? Yeah. That the, the church is full of those who are outstanding at forgiving the way that Christ has forgiven us. Yeah.
1: All the glory right. Of God.
0: Uh, absolutely. A great call. Let's go meet that bar.